1: Branson, Mark Cuban, Tony Robbins, Tim Ferriss, Arianna Huffington, Steve Case, Gary Vee, Sofia Amorosa, Corcoran, Damon John. Learn from the greatest minds in business today with interviews hosted by Nathan Chan. This is not your average entrepreneur podcast. The Founder Podcast.
0: Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Before we start today's episode, I just want to let you know and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free trainings with founders like this, which is 100% free, just go to founder.com forward slash free. Okay, so now let's talk about today's episode. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Founder Podcast. My name is Nathan Chan. I'm coming to you live from Melbourne, Australia. What up, guys? Uh, I hope you're pumped. Hope you're having an awesome day wherever you are around the world, whatever time it is. Uh, yeah, let's. I, I hope that things are going well with you and your business. And I just wanted to say thank you so much for sharing your earbuds with me. Now, I came away from this conversation with today's guest, James Bechera. Um, extremely inspired, extremely pumped, felt so privileged that. Uh, you know, I got to speak to someone like this guy because he's actually changing the game when it comes to crowdfunding. And uh, his company, Tilt, has over a $400 million valuation. He's learned from some of the most smartest people around the world, some of my all-time favorites, um, the guys from Andreessen Horowitz. He actually shares some very interesting stories around uh, these guys and what he's learned. And uh, for those of you that are not familiar, Andreessen Horowitz are like, I guess... One of the, you know, biggest uh, VC firms in the world. And these guys are kind of like the real pioneers or the real um, big decision makers in Silicon Valley. Um, these guys fund some amazing uh, startups, you know, pretty much all the household ones that you you or I know of. Uh, so, yeah, I'm a big fan of these guys. They're serious bosses. So, um, yeah, look, I was really pumped to speak to James. He shed a ton of gold. I know you're going to learn so much from this interview. And I'm just going to leave it at that. Um, So yeah, look, that's it from me, guys. If you are enjoying these episodes, please do take the time to leave us a review. Please do tell your friends. You know, if you have any entrepreneurial friends, just let them know about this podcast. Um, You know, it, it helps us grow. And we're, you know, here to help and serve as many entrepreneurs as we can. And that's what we're trying to do with the brand. So yeah, that's it from me, guys. Now let's jump into the show. First question I ask everyone that comes on is... How did you get your job? How did I get my job?
1: I mean, I created it from scratch, really, to, uh, to answer it bluntly. And, uh, and yeah, I think I'll, I'll basically leave it at that. It is a job that I, that I out of necessity and desire, created from scratch.
0: Mm, I see. And uh, what, what, what is your job right now?
1: I am the CEO of a, a fast-growing startup called Tilt.
0: Fantastic. And, and what do you guys do?
1: Tilt is the easiest way to collect fundraise or sell with your community. So it's a really simple, really simple app. If you're trying to collect money from uh, twelve mates or uh, from one hundred and twenty community members for a cause you really care about tilt, uh, you know we the tagline is that it's uh, it's the easiest way to collect fundraise and sell with your community, but but we really do believe it. We obsess over being we obsess over being the easiest way to do that.
0: I see. and. Uh, you guys have been uh, backed by Andreessen Horowitz over multiple rounds. You are Y Combinator alumni. Uh, we actually featured uh, and spoke to Jessica Livingston, one of the co-founders, uh, not so long ago, and featured her on the front cover of her magazine. Um Yeah, she's amazing. So question, um, when did you start the company? Uh, can you give us some metrics on how fast you guys are growing and where you're at right now?
1: Sure. So the I will tell you the you know uh, you know per the beginning of the call. I want to be super transparent, and super specific, uh, but I'll have to be guarded somewhat with with uh, user numbers. We just always are, but uh, I can I can give directional uh, directional notes on that. But uh, we That's started. In uh, 2011, my co-founder and I started at the end of 2011. We launched publicly a beta in February 2012 and and came out of beta in April 2012. And I think that that's when the company, quote unquote, launched. But I'd say I've been working in this space really since about 2008, 2009, working in the crowdfunding, collaborative funding, social payment space, since the space really had a name. So it's, you know, there's... The launch of the company. Uh, But I think that that accidentally kind of connotes that something just started and it ignited from there. And I think uh, real life doesn't really work like that. I think real life is more of an evolution and a growth of things that you might not really know what it's going to become, but you start on that path. And it's absolutely critical, necessary foundation for you to really find yourself where you are today. So even before TILT, you know, I started a, I started a social payments, a crowdfunding application called Develo.org uh, in Cape Town, South Africa, where I was working and living. And uh, I started that, launched that in beta in 2009. And I always think about my experience and starting that as being absolutely critical and foundational to, uh, to being able to start Tilt and, and build it in the fashion that we've been able to build it.
0: I see. And what happened with that company?
1: It no longer exists. Uh, we had to shut it down. And long story short, the uh, regulation here in the U.S. changed while we were building it, and in, in 2010 we had to shift the model and it uh, the business model because the the SEC here in the U.S. the Securities and Exchange Commission changed their stance on online lending, and it had an a an element of online lending uh, built into it. And it really kind of killed the the economic model of the of the idea, and we tried to make it work, tried to find exemptions, tried to build around that new regulation, but it made it exceptionally difficult, and we ultimately had to wind it down. I look back at that experience, though, and and recognize that it was kind of like it was like a Mulligan. I got to start a company and do everything wrong and get it out of the way and kind of start clean and fresh with with tilt. And I can't tell you it just it, I did everything the exact opposite with Tilt that I had done with with develop.org because of my experience and uh, because of of making every mistake in the book. So for every young entrepreneur out there, you know, starting or building or founding, that sounds like it just starts one day in February or starts one afternoon when you get hit with inspiration. When in truth, I think it is the amalgamation of just always starting things, doing things, trying out ideas. And one of them just starts to get pulled from you and you start to spend more time on it and it gets pulled further and you spend more time on it. And then you kind of look back and just for the story's sake, you say, oh yeah, I started this company or I founded this, this company. When in truth, it was kind of an evolution of, uh, of doing Uh, starting things constantly and I think that was that was definitely my my past I even before develop.org I started a nonprofit in college and uh, I started a fly fishing company and and college of all things Mm. so I was always I was always starting things um yet when it hits you know print for for tilt it makes it sound like oh we just started in 2012 and and we've been on a tear ever since which isn't really you know isn't really accurate
0: I see and you talked about you know when you 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 had a lot of good learning lessons can you share with us compared to develop.org and and then launching tilt what did you do differently what just just quickly some if you could wrap it up nicely
1: yeah so specifics uh, would be you know I, I, with develop.org Anyone and and everyone that would listen to me, I'd try to get them involved in, in helping build it. And I really, uh, and the you know, economically, I thought, well, if I can, can if I can convince friends to work really cheaply, then it's then that's really great. Uh, and if I can find co-founders, multiple co-founders, and just bring people on, then then it validates my idea. And you know, it's it's like you know, this is worth working on if I can convince someone else to work on it with me. And with Tilt, it was the exact opposite. I waited months and months and months, uh, chatted with, uh, dozens of people and just kind of held out for the right co-founder. And ultimately that's, I, I look back at that was one of the most fortuitous things that ever happened in the company's life was, was the co-founder that I was introduced to Caleb, who is uh, the luckiest thing that ever happened that I got an introduction to him and, that wouldn't have been possible had you know i filled the seat with the the closest warm body that i that i could find and and so i'd say that that is a you know a huge tactical specific thing that was you know very different from develop.org, find the nearest person to tilt whereas just wait and wait and wait until the person is absolutely the right fit the other things uh, were you know other just really good pieces of of advice i think for for young entrepreneurs would be with develop.org, I really I was just very overconfident in my ability to know what the world you know wanted and thought, all right, I'm gonna keep this a secret, I'm gonna build and, and not show it to anyone mm-hmm. until it's it's ready to go, it's ready for the limelight. And part of it was I don't want anyone to steal the idea, and the other part was just, uh, I, I know what people want. And p- once the people see this, they're gonna, they're gonna really want it with tilt. It was the exact opposite. I literally wanted to launch it as soon as possible, talk about it with as, uh, as many people as possible just to get their feedback on the idea and ultimately launch it, put it in people's hands so that I could see, do people actually value this? And I think that's a really scary, that's a really scary moment for young entrepreneurs. And, and so you build up this justification for not showing it to people, or uh, you just are overconfident in thinking, oh, people are going to love this once it's finished. And that couldn't be, further from my experience at least, tilt is what it is today because of all of those conversations and because of the flexibility and openness to, to saying, okay, I kind of have a general idea of what might be interesting, but the other 90% is going to come from customers actually telling us what they want and, and not from us just whiteboarding what we think people want, and uh, those are very in two different ends of the spectrum. And starting develop versus starting tilt.
0: Mm, I see, and I'm curious: Are you originally from South Africa?
1: I'm not. I'm not. I uh, that was my first job out of out of school was working on the ground and development uh, in in Cape Town. My background and, and what I studied in, in undergrad was development economics. So. Gotcha. With that degree, you either go and work for the World Bank or you go work on the ground somewhere. And I was lucky enough to get a really cool position down in Cape Town, South Africa, where uh, where I started to build out, develop.org. But I'm originally from Texas, originally and proudly from
0: Texas. <laughs> awesome. And at what moment did you decide you want to get into Y Combinator?
1: That was that was a uh, – I look back at that and also just kind of uh, – it's a continuation of, man, I was so – so wrong uh and and really didn't know what I was didn't I constantly look back and I'm like didn't know what I was doing last week much less 3 4 years ago but with Y Combinator it was this I think my co-founder and I I think we thought to ourselves you know we don't need an incubator we're just going to launch this and uh and it is you know Larry and Sergey didn't need an incubator and and <laughs> it, it we could not have been further from uh from the truth in that We just this this wouldn't be possible without Y Combinator. Um, No matter how confident or 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 how much belief you have in what you're doing, startups are so friggin' hard. They're so hard that you really need every advantage you, you possibly can get and you really need to take advantage of every resource you can possibly you possibly have and so um, going through Y Combinator I look back at it if it had just made our jobs five percent easier it would have been worth it um, but it really made our jobs I, I feel like 50 percent easier because it it allowed us in the very beginning to get in front of investors and, and you can just instead of it's like you accelerate the dating process instead of spinning six months of convincing. and I I know what this feels like in Texas before Y Combinator. I would spend six, seven months convincing uh, investors what we were doing was interesting. And then coming out of Y Combinator would be you know, five or six days. And so you had a lot of street cred going into each conversation to where you could just get down to brass tacks of what are you building? Why is it? Why is it important? And why is, uh, is this worth investing in? Whereas you know, before Y Combinator, it's basically you spend 90% of your time of who are you and why, why, why should I make the bet that you can build this out? I think YC really accelerated those conversations. On top of that, it really helps with recruiting. It helps with just all of this influx of, of advice and information that you get to hear from the partners that you start to find these equilibriums of, man, I, I keep hearing this advice. There must be some real truth to it. So it's, uh, it's just a. It was a. It was a phenomenal experience
0: for us. Mm, I see, and you know, once you come out of YC, you then gone. On, you went on to raise. Uh, you see, uh, how much did you raise?
1: We raised about a two million dollars seed round right yeah. after that, and then we raised a uh, about a a year after we raised uh, about twelve million from uh, Andreessen Horowitz, Sean Parker, and SV Angel, and a number of other great investors.
0: Mm, I see. And then you've also done a Series B as well. Right. It's uh, We
1: are, as far as I know, we're the first, uh, one of the only companies, I think we were the first company for Andreessen Horowitz to to do a Series A and a Series B back-to-back. So about six months after they did our Series A, they, they actually came to us and said, what if we do your Series B right now mm. And uh, uh, based on our progress and based on just what we uh, were putting together and, and building – and uh, and so it it is uh, that is a testament to amazing investors and 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 recent, but also uh, just really we were extremely fortunate for uh, for them to like what we're building so much that that they you know came calling for that.
0: Yeah, no, that's very very cool. I'm massive fans of uh, Ben and Mark, and I follow their stuff, and I always listen to everything they say. They. I, I consider these guys the true bosses of Silicon Valley. Um, I'm really curious, what's it like to work with them? What were what, what some key things that you've learned from, from uh, working with these guys?
1: Man, it's, it is so much it was, it, with Mark. Uh, so part of the Series A deal was that uh, Mark would get uh, dinner with us once a month. And it, w- it was a pretty competitive Series A, and so they added that into the mix, and it and it's uh, it was a hu- you know it was a huge uh, just a testament to how much they believe in what we we're doing, but also obviously a really attractive uh, part of the deal where you get to spend time with you know the inventor of the of the browser and and a you know childhood hero of mine, so it was pretty surreal still is pretty surreal when we get to interact with him or just like this Saturday, just emailing back and forth with him. It's pretty pretty crazy. Mm. Um, so that I don't think that ever gets old. But you start to recognize – and this is something I think that's really important for young entrepreneurs. You start to recognize that even the smartest people in the world, much less the smartest people in the room – can actually give you know, bad advice, and it's not out of malintent, but it's just it doesn't apply. And so, uh, one of the things that we've seen by being as being in the position where we've been able to get advice from someone like Paul Graham or someone like Mark Andreessen or someone like uh, Sean Parker is some of their advice is unbelievably brilliant. Now, 50% is unbelievably brilliant, and 50% of it it, it doesn't necessarily apply. And one of the most critical things I think that we have learned as a company and, and where we are today, and something that, that we talk about more and more as a company, and, and what I think about as a, as a leader, is we have to discover things that make sense for us and what is right for us as a company. Because we've tried outsourcing our thinking even to some of the smartest thinkers in the world, uh, like Paul Graham or Mark Andreessen, and it hasn't been, it has actually hasn't been uh, the right advice for us. Mm. And and I think the more that you can hone your own independent thinking, your own uh, just muscle around what is right for us, the better. And I think that we are a generation that is addicted to advice. And we learned it from our parents always buying the, – they were buying so many self-help books that it, it got into the water when we were growing up to where it's like, oh, other people will tell us how we should be living our lives. And, and we should uh, we should definitely have our ears open. And it's somewhat obviously – Ironic that I'm telling you this on a podcast for young entrepreneurs, but, you know, I think the thing that we didn't hear enough, and I think that young entrepreneurs uh, and aspiring entrepreneurs don't hear enough and need to hear more of is actually the advice for don't take advice.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. So tell me, uh, what's something are you able to to share? Like, What's something that Mark shared with you that, that wasn't the best piece of advice? That, that, wasn't, that, wasn't, a... that wasn't a good fit for you? I don't
1: know if it's something specific uh, off the bat. I think it's just more it's more holistic in the lens of whatever is is said, that it needs to go through a filter of does this make sense for us? Or is this great advice, generic advice, but you know the at the heart of wisdom, it is it is doing the right thing, the right way, at the right time. So for something to be bad advice, all it takes is it is for one of those three things to be wrong. The wrong way, the wrong time. Or the wrong thing, and so when you really kind of uh, think about advice from people that aren't there in in the uh, you know in the trenches with you day in day out and building your company, they, it could be the right thing but the wrong way, and still be the right time, and it'd be bad advice. Yeah. And so it's it's something that I I think is just uh, thematically important for for entrepreneurs to understand that it is. And I think where entrepreneurs need to index more is on the side of less advice and more doing and trusting your own intuition or your experience gained by doing rather than just having one input, what you think you should do? And then having this kind of windsock out there, just catching what other people think you should do and acting on that. And I think it's just, uh, it's just when you think about those things that need to line up the right thing the right way, the right time, it's much more often, much more likely that one, two, if not all three of these things are actually wrong uh, in the conversa- in the coffee conversation that you're having with someone. And so I think it's, it's uh, just something that, that needs to be said. Uh, I feel like should be said more often, which is don't take advice and, and don't outsource your thinking to, to other people.
0: Hmm, that's a that's a really interesting insight, man. Um, I want to talk more about Tilt in the sense you guys are growing super fast. How many countries are you in at the moment?
1: We're in eight countries around the world.
0: You're in eight countries, and you've done some some cool campaigns, notable campaigns like with Soylent, uh, or you know you've done you know some relief projects and and some really interesting things and i and I read a statistic from the next web that eighty six percent of your campaigns are successful is that correct?
1: that is correct and i i kind of I actually want to take a quick moment just to plug all the small use cases that we love it's it is it's so cool if you it, when you get to see the big campaigns of uh like We've we've had fans bring the Foo Fighters uh, to uh, to their small town. That's mm. like un that's unreal to build uh, software that that allows for things like that. But at the same time, I really love the small use cases where it's 15 friends pulling together money for a gift for their best friend that's that's getting married, or it's 25 people pulling together money for you know medical surgery for a for their friend's dog, or it's you know. 10 friends just getting a party bus for for Friday night and that type of stuff is that smaller stuff it it might not grab headlines but it is something that i, I think just enriches lives in a much more i think a much more uh, accessible way in a much more uh, frequent way than than just these massive crowdfunding campaigns that grab that grab headlines or or sound you know super epic that that uh, that will get you know a write up in in the local newspaper when you download the product or you go to tilt.com and you check it out you'll see that it's uh, it has far more accessibility applicability in your daily life than than most products in this space and i think that that is something that that we um, it's it is by design and it's it's not by accident so it's something that we think about a lot is is accessibility and frequency
0: mm, yeah it's it's such a brilliant idea because Like that is a massive problem. Like, you know, you want to get together, you know, you, you, you don't, you have to walk around. Like, you know, I remember when I was in my day job, um, before I started founder, you know, if it's someone's birthday, you walk around with a card and you, it takes hours to go around the office and collect that money. Um, it's so often that you need to, to just garner funds together and in, in a, in a quick fashion and, and in a scalable way. So it's, it's such a smart idea I'm also curious around the change up in the model. You, you changed up the model just so slightly around the fee collecting and, and, and the business model. Can you tell us how that came about and, and what the realization was there?
1: Sure. So the, the uh, evolution of that was we started to you – know, the, the value prop for Tilt started with the easiest way to collect money from a group. Yeah, and as people collected money for the, from their groups, they started to request uh, ways to to sell to their group. They would collect money for uh, an event and want to collect money for a larger event and a larger event. And then they get to the point where it's like, well, can we actually just sell on the platform and sell to our communities to where it's selling tickets, or we would really love the ability to collect address information for us to sell, you know, these these T-shirts for back to school or these. You know this piece of merchandise that I want to create for my community. If you, you know, if you have two thousand followers on Twitter and you want to sell something to that community, Tilt was an easy way to collect money for that, but it didn't necessarily have features for you to collect shipping address or to collect sizing or to, uh, you know, charge for shipping. And so we started to build out features for selling as well. And now the value prop is very firmly the easiest way to collect fundraise or sell with your community because we started to see more and more usage around selling and around people wanting to use the platform for commerce. And as we started to see that get more and more adoption, we realized, man, collect could be a way that we actually don't charge uh, and make that free to collect from your group, but allow you to and build out features instead of charging two and a half percent for collect. Let's make it free to collect. And our hypothesis and belief was it'll be you'll get your community on, you'll get your group on, you'll get your neighborhood or your fraternity or your uh, or your social group, social club on the platform, and then you'll want to sell. to or you'll want to do something bigger and bigger and bigger and we will be the natural platform choice for that as well so let's charge for the large things and make it really free uh, make it awesome no friction and and really easy to say let's use this for all of these small things so that was kind of the evolution of it was these commerce features that we're building we realized man we can provide more and more value uh, for these larger and larger things and if you really want to make a valuable sell we obviously have to generate revenue as a company we've got to make money but if we can not only provide features and provide a platform where your friends or your community is already users, then collecting shipping address is really important. But so is every single one of the people you're trying to sell to is already on Tilt. Then that's like you know a, a, a killer combo. Mm-hmm. So let's, uh, let's work towards that. And it then became very clear. Let's make collect free and let's, let's charge 2.5% to sell to your community, which is still a, uh, a very low fee.
0: Yeah. Interesting. And uh, did this help, this this switch up, did this help with scale in terms of user acquisition and, and, and viral growth?
1: It has. I think, you know, in any product that takes on a freemium type of model, something like Spotify uh, or Dropbox, you can see definite boost in usage and, uh, and, a dev- and actually a boost in the bottom line as well. So it is, it is something that, uh, yeah, it was a very successful experiment And I think Spotify is a good example where you use it for free and you get to a point where you want to use the paid product. But if it was paid right off the bat, you might not have gotten to the product exposure or the the, uh, familiarity to where you know you want to pay for it. So it has been a very, very successful uh, uh, experiment for us.
0: Mm, Awesome. Look, I know you're going to run. We're going to work towards wrapping up, brother. Um, One question, and and I have to ask this. uh, Tilt is growing 40% month on month on college campuses and it'll be in 10 countries by the end of the year. What do you think is fueling growth besides this freemium model, great value prop, massive problem? Is there any key tactics that you guys have used that our audience could take away? How you know how many marketing experiments are you testing right now? What's your number one like yeah, just hit me.
1: Yeah. You know, the the high-level answer – I mean this isn't even like ambiguous or, or, or too high-level. It really is – I mean it's, it is the details that we obsess over every day. But the high-level answer is really building the best product possible and you know not just having a tagline of the easiest way to collect, fundraise or sell with your community but actually really uh, obsessing over being able to go to bed at night knowing that you have built the easiest way to to you know, collect money from your group of friends. And that, I'd say, is the biggest reason people want to uh, share it with friends. They use it once and want to use it again. They are on an email chain where someone is collecting money for you know a group trip and they mention we should use Tilt to the organizer. It's because they've had a good experience. And I think that in 20, 2016, it's, it is this – it's a, a type of world that we live in where if you have a great experience with a product – you want to tell your friends about it. So I, I, there's not too much hand-waving on top of that, uh, of just building a great product. And that is something that you know every product that grows really fast uh, sustainably always has at its core is built a great product. I think the secret to that was making every mistake in the book, building the, you know, develop.org was an example of, it wasn't a great product. It was a lot of marketing and not a lot of substance or a lot of hand waving of how great this could be for the world, but not nailing the actual thing that the world cares about, which is product experience value that you know, it's derived from the product. And so, yeah, with, uh, with tilt, it was uh, just constant, constant iteration and obsession every single day over, uh, over the product. I think what helps that is when you, when you use tilt, if you use something like Evernote, you don't necessarily maybe at dinner, you tell your friends this, this product really awesome, but you don't necessarily invite your friends to use it with tilt. By definition, when you use it, you have to invite your group and your friends to use it. And so, by definition, you've got to spread the word on the product because if you're collecting money from 12 people or 24 people, uh, all 12 or all 24 are going to sign up and use the product, and then split off and and hopefully we they have a, a great experience, and we hope that they then take it out to you know to the next thing that they're going to do with friends and use the product themselves to collect money. You know, two weeks later, four weeks later, so that is definitely a uh, amplification of of uh, building a really great product is. Tilt just naturally has this virality to it of you needing to, to uh, invite your friends to use it. The third thing that I think for young entrepreneurs to, to gather, I think, is, uh, is worth talking about is just in general, to build anything of significance or to build a successful startup, I think it's, it simply comes down to these two things. It doesn't mean it's easy, but it does come down to these two simple things. You have to solve a problem for your customer and solve a problem for distribution. And if you can nail both of those, then you have a, a really successful startup on your hands. If you only have one of those, then um, the other one will catch up to you. If you have distribution and your product's viral but it's not really solving the problem for them then, uh, or spammy, then you know, it'll catch up to you. Or if you solve a problem but you can't get the word out for it, you know, that will also just quickly become unsustainable. So it is, uh, it's nailing both and they both are – every startup goes through their own grind of figuring out how to nail – both of these. Typically, you want to start with nailing the value for the customer and, and actually solving a problem for them. But then right after that, you quickly go into uh, into trying to solve for the other equally hard problem, which is distribution. And so I think it's it's something to, that it's it's worth spending time upfront before working on an idea to, to try to suss out some of the details on both fronts and know that you will have to solve for both. And, uh, and to not overlook uh, the fact that you will have to solve for distribution. And if it's a great calendar app or a great email app, but it's going to be really difficult to get distribution, then uh, you might save yourself a lot of trouble by thinking about uh, how difficult that'll be up front rather than figuring it out on the fly nine months in.
0: Mm, yeah, no, that's, that's gold advice, man. Thank you. Well, look, our last question, where's the best place people can find Tilt or yourself?
1: Come to San Francisco to, to download Tilt. You have to fly to San Francisco. Come to uh, these GPS coordinates. Now, the <laughs> easiest way to, uh, I mean, it's it is on the you know App Store. Tilt is the the app, so on uh, iOS and uh, Android, uh, or tilt.com to go and check it out. And if you just want to you know uh, uh, to kick the tires, I think tilt.com is a great place for you to go and, and just check it out. But yeah, it's uh, we we work pretty hard to make it easy to find. So hopefully, we're doing our job on that front.
0: Awesome. Well, look, thank you so much for your time, James. It was a fantastic uh, interview and conversation. Really enjoyed the chat, man, and uh, keep up the fantastic work. It's really inspiring.
1: Nathan, so great to uh, to chat with you, and thank you so much for taking the time and, and thinking what we're doing is interesting. So we really appreciate it.
0: Hey, guys, I hope you enjoyed this interview. As you might already know, our mission at Founder is to help tens of millions of people every single week with our content